Well, we got about uh, two and a half weeks before the November 8th general election. Good morning. I'm Greg Bishop. It is Springfield's Morning News on 92.7 WMAY. Springfield's News and Talk and a lot to get into this hour. We'll talk about the latest back and forth on the Safety Act. Also, we'll hear some moments from an attorney general debate between Kwame Raul, the Democratic incumbent, and Tom DeVore, the Republican challenger. They were on WTTW earlier this week, so we'll hear some of that. Uh, So that's all on the way here. Uh, But let's start by looking at some of the latest polling data that's been released by The Hill in conjunction with uh, Chicago media. And we'll uh, just go right to Twitter, uh, where you've got uh, Tamon Bradley, who recently uh, hosted or moderated uh, the two gubernatorial debates. Uh, And he talks about the new poll. And uh, the data coming out shows that, uh, well, there's a a little bit less of a lead for the incumbent, Pritzker, over Bailey, the Republican challenger. 50.4% is what Pritzker's polling at. Darren Bailey's getting 40.8%. Scott Schluter at 2.6%, with 1.7% saying they'll vote for somebody else, and 4.4% saying they're undecided. Now, you look at uh, some of the other uh, polling data here. Uh, They've got uh, updates for the Senate race where you've got uh, Kathy Salvi uh, about uh, nearly 10 points behind Tammy Duckworth. Uh, Bill Redpath, the Libertarian, only getting 2.1%. So the Democrats favored in that race, according to the latest Emerson College polling with The Hill and uh, WGN as well. Um, But uh, you look at some of the other races, the Comptroller race, uh, the Republican trailing the Democrat incumbent uh, by about uh, 12 points or so. Uh, you've got uh, the the Democrats treasurer, Michael Frerichs, leading uh, by uh, just uh, shy over uh, around 10 points uh, over Tom Dimmer, the Libertarian, coming in at about 3.7 in that race. And then the attorney general race, which is uh, actually pretty close there, uh, 46.8% for Kwame Raoul and 39.1% for Thomas DeVore, uh, with the Libertarian, Daniel Robin, getting about 3.5%. 8.9% in that race are undecided, and that, I think, is going to be uh, rather fascinating. Uh, Alexi Janulius for the uh, the state's um, secretary of state, he's leading in the polls by uh, shy of 10 points, but uh, Dan Brady bringing in 38.7 to Alexi Janulius's 48.2%. Uh, so that's the Secretary of State race there. Uh, but then you look at uh, the the regional aspects of the polling and uh, the, the polling again from the Hill and uh, Emerson College showing that Chicago, yeah, uh, Pritzker is going to get 66 percent, according to the polling uh, in the suburbs, 52 percent for Pritzker. But outside of Chicago, he only gets about 39.7 percent, where Bailey gets 52.8 percent. Uh, so you can see kind of the the, the breakdown there. Uh, but here's what I think is crucial is the right track, wrong track polling data. And that shows that 52% of Illinoisans that were polled believe that Illinois is on the wrong track. So uh, that, I think, is a, a an interesting indicator there. Um, while uh, some of the polling indicates that uh, Democrats are, are leading in these races, uh, you've got uh, the the questions of is the state going on the right track or the wrong track, uh, and in particular, you've got questions about are you better off uh, you know today than you were uh, four years ago. 
Uh, and you look at uh, other factors, the business climate in Illinois, uh, the, the COVID mitigations that, uh, that rocked Illinois. Uh, I do want to uh, kind of share with you some of the uh, uh, other indications that voters might be thinking about, and not just voters, but uh, taxpayers uh, would be thinking about. And that's taxation uh, and how much you've uh, had to pay more in taxes uh, in the past uh, you know, four years or so. Uh, so you have uh, a report uh, of, of Illinois taxpayers paying more during the Pritzker administration, and the Illinois Policy Institute uh, uh, put this together and uh, ultimately highlighting how uh, Illinoisans are indeed uh, paying more. Justin Carlson, he's with Illinois Policy, and uh, he said that after Pritzker was elected in 2018, took office in 2019, Illinoisans have paid more each year, and here's some of what um, Carlson had to say uh, people are, are paying more for uh, all throughout the, the state of Illinois. We've found that he's uh, implemented implemented about uh, 24 new taxes and fees that have impacted businesses and uh, individuals uh, over his term in office that have uh, cost more than $5 billion. So that breaks down to over $2,000 more in taxes per taxpayer. Uh, in that uh, in that analysis, and you got to uh, you know think about uh, all the uh, the money there is that uh, was raised on gas taxes. Uh, you've got the doubling of the gas tax, tacking on a um, uh, an increase each year. Uh, you've also got uh, the 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 questions over um, uh, the the license plate fees that were increased. Uh, you've got uh, uh, new sales online sales taxes uh, and a variety of other things. But the governor did, and the Democrats did give uh, some tax. Relief with uh, the the uh, freezing of the annual gas tax increase, uh, but also with uh, zeroing out the grocery tax from one percent to zero percent, and uh, those tax rebates of fifty dollars each. That doesn't really amount to uh, overall savings compared to tax increases over the past four years. So uh, Governor J.B. Pritzker yesterday was campaigning, and he was in Lake County where media did show up, and they asked in particular a couple of questions. One, uh, polling seems to indicate the race is tightening. And then two, uh, you know, are, are, are you seeing Republicans peel away from uh, Donald Trump? Uh, and Governor Pritzker was asked those two questions. Here's his response uh, to those. Uh, to those particular questions. Fight every day for a point behind. We we got to do that, we, as they say. Uh, and I feel pretty good about where we are, and we're going to elect Democrats up and down the ballot. Yes, we are. Sir, are they embarrassed? We get Darren Bailey supporting Donald Trump. He's the one who said he wants to roll out the red carpet for Donald Trump in 2024. Is he embarrassed now by his support for Donald Trump? Apparently so. Thank you all very much. So again, uh, Governor J.B. Pritzker yesterday campaigning, uh, and we'll hear some more from the governor coming up, uh, but then we'll open the door for getting into the uh, recent forum that uh, WTTW hosted for uh, incumbent Attorney General Kwame Raoul and uh, Republican challenger Thomas DeVore. So that's coming up next here with Springfield's Morning News, and you can always chime in live and local. Uh, of course, the phone number is 217-629-7970, 217-629-7970. Would love to hear your thoughts, uh, especially about the polling data that came out, uh, and in particular, uh, the right track, wrong track data. Uh, do you agree with this, that uh, Illinois uh, is is on the, the wrong track? Uh, 52% in this Emerson College poll with The Hill indicating that uh, the vast majority of, of Illinoisans who took part in this poll 
uh, 52%, uh, they they think we're on the wrong track. Uh, so stay tuned. We'll get to more of that coming up with your phone calls at 217-629-7970. It is Springfield's Morning News. I'm Greg Bishop on 92.7 WMAY. Springfield's News and Talk. Back with Springfield's Morning News. I'm Greg Bishop on 92.7 WMAY. Springfield's News and Talk. We've been talking about the latest polling data from uh, Emerson College and The Hill. And uh, some of it's indicating that uh, there's still a lead with uh, J.B. Pritzker leading uh, Darren Bailey. Uh, but you also have uh, some of the other uh, indications like right, trunk, right track, wrong track, which 52% of Illinois voters that were, took part in this poll uh, believe Illinois is on the wrong track. And then when you look at... Uh, uh, the the issues economy is 39.1% threats to democracy 17.5 with uh, abortion access at 12.2 crime comes in at 9% tied with healthcare at 9%. So uh, that might indicate to you what uh, maybe uh, the the veracity of the poll, the legitimacy of the poll if uh, if you believe that crime is uh, of top of mind. Uh, and I think a lot of people, crime is top of mind, at least for uh, 9% in this particular poll. Uh, but one of the things driving that conversation is the Safety Act, which was passed in the final hours of the previous legislature, January of 2021. Some of the various elements have gone into effect. One that goes into effect January 1st is the Pretrial Fairness Act. And those who support it have been out there pushing back against what they call misinformation. Governor J.B. Pritzker being one of those pushing back. He was asked about this uh, during a uh, campaign speech uh, yesterday in Lake County. Here's what uh, the governor had to say in reaction to what needs to happen with the Safety Act, because nearly half of the state's attorneys, uh, more than half of the state's attorneys, have sued the governor and the state to block implementation of no cash bail and that no cash bail provision of the pretrial fairness act is what a lot of people are pushing back against including some states attorneys saying come january 1st the way they're reading it is they'll have to let go people who are currently in jail waiting trial uh for for various violent crimes so here's the governor reacting to some of that well the disinformation that's been promoted by republicans especially by darren bailey uh it has pervaded uh, messaging across the state. Uh, you know, they're trying to tell you that people are going to be, uh, violent criminals are going to be let out of jail on January 1. That's not what, that's not what the act says. And we don't want Republicans who may control a county somewhere and, and a jail, a sheriff or a judge or uh, a state's attorney With all to let to violent General, criminals out on January 1 because they misread the, the safety act. So let's amend the act the to make it very explicit that violent criminals who are in jail awaiting trial, that January 1 is not some deadline to let people out. Now, you know that one of the purposes of the safety act is to keep our neighborhoods safe and make sure that people who are awaiting trial who are nonviolent, who may have committed a low-level offense, aren't just sitting in jail because they don't have a few hundred dollars to get themselves out. The system that Darren Bailey and the Republicans are defending is one in which murderers and rapists and domestic violence abusers are buying their way out of jail. We can't let that happen anymore. That shouldn't be. It's an unfair system when somebody poor sits in jail for a low-level offense, but somebody who committed murder or attempted murder uh, is uh, able to just put some money on the table and they get to walk free. So let's make it explicit. 
let's in the veto session we're going to go in and do our best to fight against the republicans and their misinformation and make sure that we get done what we need to to improve the safety act Again, uh, Governor J.B. Pritzker just laying out, uh, I think, what you're going to hear a lot of uh, heading up to the election and then even the week after the election when state lawmakers come back to Springfield and it looks like the Safety Act is going to be top of mind. Uh, in that particular space. Uh, coming back, we will uh, hear more about the Safety Act from the Attorney General candidates, uh, plus their take on COVID and uh, prosecutorial discretion. So all of that's on the way here with Springfield's Morning News, the latest in uh, Illinois polling and politics, as we've got uh, less than, what, a, a week and a half or so of uh, of before the uh, polls open and then close. So stay tuned. Much more coming up here. And of course, always your phone calls at 21 727-629-7970 and you can email bishoponair at gmail.com alright so stay tuned we'll be back with more here with Springfield's Morning Welcome back Springfield's Morning News on this Thursday I'm Greg Bishop on 92.7 WMAY Springfield's News and Talk where you can call in live and local at 217-629-7970 you can also email bishoponair at gmail.com and if any time you miss something that's uh, of interest Uh, Be sure to check out uh, my social media channels where you can see video interviews and uh, news stories and all of that. Just search Bishop on air and we can connect that way. I do want to remind you I'm raising money for Real Men Wear Pink. Got my nails painted pink. Uh, Raised $1,300 to do that. I am about, what, $1,500 now? And if I get to $4,000, I'm going to dye my hair pink. Breast Cancer Awareness Month. One in eight people will be diagnosed with breast cancer. It can be devastating, but research is there. Treatments are there, and uh, you can live with that diagnosis. Early detection is crucial. So get to WMAY.com slash pink and donate today. Uh, WMAY being helped out there with Heartland Hearing. Better hearing starts today. Again, WMAY.com slash pink. So uh, we heard the governor previously uh, talk about the Safety Act and things that he says need to happen in the veto session, which is coming up the week after the November general election, which is just in a a short time now, uh, a little over a week's time, and uh, people will be heading to the polls. Uh, but uh, the, the the issue of the Safety Act also uh, came up uh, during the recent uh, forum between incumbent Democratic Illinois Attorney General Kwame Raoul and the Republican challenger, uh, Thomas DeVore. Uh, and this was on WTTW Public TV up in Chicago. Uh, and they discussed the Safety Act uh, extensively. And here's just some of how that went down uh, between the two candidates and the moderator, Amanda Vinicky. It's not. As long as there's a nexus under a single subject, as it's been evaluated historically, allows broad discretion to the legislature. And this is the police certification has to do with criminal justice, as does bail. Briefly, to be clear, do you stand by the police certification process within the Safety Act? It's just a matter of how it was how it got to that point? You know, we could have that policy debate about whether it goes too far, et cetera, right? I mean, you can get kind of emotional sides of that. I can tell you that the... Does it go too far? In some aspects, yeah. I mean, the FOP, what they were really frustrated with is, you know, they were getting really close to that agreement, trying to play a part in that conversation, and then the attorney general cut them off. So I know they were getting really close with the terms on that. I don't think they were quite there. But, you know, the way that it was abruptly stopped and then consolidated with the Safety Act is really what frustrated the state FOP. I want to move on to you, but just briefly, is that how it went down? No, no. We had, uh, in fact, 
in my conversations, in my direct conversations with the state F FOP, they thanked me for, for in, in engaging them. Chris Southwood would probably disagree with him. And uh, Chris Southwood did disagree with him. Uh, Chris Southwood, the president of the Illinois FOP State Lodge, yesterday put out a statement saying that uh, Raul wasn't telling the truth. He says Mr. Raul needs to get his facts straight. Why would we thank him for promising to include us in those fateful discussions only to have him ghost us at the most crucial time in the negotiations and let the bill's supporters completely exclude us from providing any input whatsoever? All you need to do is look at the Safety Act to know that Mr. Raul didn't keep his pledge to us and caved in to the pressure from his own political party. Uh, so that's a little bit of the back and forth on the Safety Act. But uh, something else, too, about the overall conversation of crime, uh, the attorney general candidates also uh, discussed that. And in particular, prosecutorial discretion. Now, this is something that uh, it's an interesting uh, conversation to have. Uh, I'm not a lawyer, uh, but uh, discretion is uh, available uh, across uh, the entire board of uh, law enforcement. Uh, cops have discretion as to what they're going to pull you over for. Uh Prosecutors have discretion to uh, charge you with one thing or not charge you with another thing or come together with a, a plea agreement uh, and, uh, and on from there. Judges have uh, discretion as well. But what about prosecutorial discretion? Uh, you have the criticism of Cook County's state's attorney, Kim Fox, not prosecuting certain crimes. And DeVore says that she is actually doing a blanket uh, of, uh, of not prosecuting what he said were retail theft of uh, under $1,000. Uh, and I don't know the state statutes and I don't know the particular policy, but DeVore claims that, uh, that, that that's a violation and could rise to official misconduct. Uh, here's some of the uh, the back and forth and I think uh, an interesting display of uh, where these attorney general candidates land on the idea of uh, prosecutorial discretion. Here is uh, uh, attorney Thomas DeVore, the Republican challenger, uh, sounding off on that issue. If, in fact, we have public officials at any level, including state's attorneys, who are not doing their job and they're actually engaging in conduct which is not within their authority under the law, it could rise to the level of official misconduct. That's the conversation to have. What do you mean by that? Well, one of the things that she's done recently is just arbitrarily decided across the board that unless you have committed theft in excess of $1,000, she's not going to charge for felony theft. She doesn't have any authority to do that. Isn't that prosecutorial discretion? I, I would disagree. Prosecutorial discretion is very fact-specific, case-by-case determination. But when you're just across the board creating blanket policies like that that violate statute, that goes beyond prosecutorial discretion, in my opinion. And again, I'm merely suggesting that's a conversation that has to be had. So uh, prosecutorial discretion, divorce says, isn't something that should be uh, blanketly across the board applied. Uh, it needs to be case-by-case case specific. Uh, and he says that uh, not doing the case-by-case case specific and just doing blanket policies uh, could rise to the level of official misconduct. Then he says that, uh, you know, if he was an elected attorney general, he would do just that uh, and look at possible official misconduct for prosecutors not doing their jobs. Uh, but uh, he also talked about how he would intervene uh, in, in counties where uh, a, an attorney general, a state's attorney wasn't, you know, handling crime properly uh, and uh, could have congruent uh, prosecutorial uh, capabilities as the state's attorney general. So it's an interesting uh, conversation that they had. Here's uh, uh, incumbent Democrat uh, Kwame Raoul talking about prosecutorial discretion. No, I don't agree on a blanket uh, uh, 
exercise of, of, of discretion, but I, I, I do believe it's within her prosecutorial discretion. And with the notion, the notion of uh, suggesting that you're going to prosecute uh, a prosecutor for the exercise of their discretion, I think that's outrageous. So we're hearing uh, some of the moments from a WTTW debate between, well, it wasn't a debate, it was just a forum uh, moderated by Amanda Vinicky from uh, Chicago Tonight. Uh, and uh, hearing from Kwame Raoul, the incumbent Democrat, and uh, Thomas DeVore, the Republican challenger, and uh, they, they talked about uh, the Safety Act, they talked about uh, how to address gun violence, but they also talked about the thing that uh, really acquainted the two individuals, um, gosh, more than two years ago now, um, because Thomas DeVore, he filed multiple lawsuits against Governor J.B. Pritzker over the COVID-19 mandates. Something that uh, Kwame Raoul uh, defended against. And uh, you've got this back and forth about um, whether or not uh, it was a fair question to ask. Is the governor exceeding his executive authority? Uh, And uh, at a previous forum, uh, Kwame Raoul said, indeed, it is a fair question. Though he disagreed uh, and he defended the governor and says that uh, he did all of this to uh, keep people safe. Uh, DeVore says if it's a fair question, that should have guided the attorney general's actions uh, as to what to do next. You know, the attorney general finally recently has admitted on two occasions that it was a fair question, a fair question as to whether or not the governor had the authority for the last two and a half years to issue numerous of these mandates. You're talking my, about the executive orders regarding the COVID-19. Yeah, just the, whether he had the authority. Fair question. Attorney general and I agree. To that extent, if it's a fair question of whether or not the governor is exercising executive power against 12 and a half million people in the state, the attorney general should always take the side of the people on a fair question and not take the side of the governor against the people. That's where Mr. Rowell and I fundamentally disagree, is that I would have taken the people's side arguing that it was a fair question, that the governor doesn't have the power, and then the governor could have defended himself with his resources through the executive office. We left our people hanging out to dry for two and a half years on that fair question. So again, uh, talking about the COVID-19 orders and uh, where the, the candidates uh, land on that and what they would have done. Uh, and again, Kwame Raoul defended the governor. He said that uh, you know, they were saving lives. Uh, he, was, he was defending the executive authority um, because uh, we had a health emergency going on. Uh, we'll get to um, some of what uh, DeVore had to say on that. But in particular, DeVore said he just would have handled the whole situation differently if indeed he was uh, Illinois' attorney general. I have to say this. With all due respect to the attorney general, his role as the chief legal officer is not about measuring the medical data. The attorney general's role is to measure the constitutionality and the law that's being wielded by so the executive. So what should have happened and during courts, COVID? And yeah. courts have spoken over this and over been. and over no. and over because of his excessive filing of cases. Yeah. And, and, I, and I ultimately ended up, the only case that the governor ever won is that he could issue serial proclamations, it wasn't even a case I was in, serial proclamations now 34 months in. The governor has never won a case to the extent of him wielding this power. He- so uh, attorney Thomas DeVore uh, laying out at least his fundamental uh, philosophy of uh, what the attorney general should be doing, especially in the case of uh, executive authority going on now more than two and a half years. 
so uh, some more on this because again, this is this is I think what propelled uh, Devore into uh, the spotlight was his challenges of the governor's COVID nineteen executive orders. Uh, and here's just another uh, uh, clip of uh, of the two discussing this uh, during the WTTW forum. Scenario: Keeping the people safe from executive abuse is what the attorney general should do. It was real simple. When the governor started wielding that executive power, the attorney general, knowing that it was a fair question, should have demanded that the legislature step in and pass policy and legislation identical to what the governor did. That would have been fine. But we allowed a governor to wield unprecedented power for three years. The attorney general could have stepped up and said, no, I'm going to bring an action Mr. testing Raul, this. And the said, legislature he, he could have fixed it. He acknowledged that the court said that the governor had the authority to do so. He I, just said it a few seconds ago. He had ago. the authority to issue a disaster proclamation. And that's which is, what was being no, litigated. That doesn't know what was being litigated. Sorry. You weren't there, sir. I was there for thousands of hours. What was there is regardless of a disaster proclamation, could the governor wield executive power closing businesses and putting masks on kids and all of those things? The governor never won any of those cases. So interesting debate, uh, again, from uh, a uh, forum that uh, was hosted by WTTW for the attorney general candidates. Uh, and uh, you can see the whole thing it was about uh, 20 minutes long, really. Uh, with uh, you know some some questions uh, ranging from crime to uh, COVID, uh, but uh, they're not the only two on the ballot. You've got uh, Libertarian Attorney General candidate uh, Dan Robin on the ballot as well. Uh, so yeah, you've got uh, you've got uh, some you know really uh, <laughs> really interesting decisions to make uh, in just a handful of days here in Illinois.